Welcome to The Courage Effect. I'm Suzanne Weller, and this is a show about growth and unleashing what's possible. You will hear inspiring stories about what courage looks like, how we navigate what's getting in our way, and the opportunities that surface when we choose courage over comfort. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. It's Suzanne. Welcome to The Courage Effect. Today's guest is someone that I was introduced to via her TEDx talk in Kirkland a few months ago titled The Power of Not Looking Away. It was a powerful talk that literally stopped me in my tracks, opening my eyes to how frequently drowning deaths happen, particularly for children, and the steps that we can all take to preventing these very preventable deaths. My guest today is filmmaker Shazik Sonoda. Shazik emerged as an impassioned water safety advocate after her three-year-old son Yori's tragic drowning. Having experienced the drowning epidemic's deadly consequences firsthand, Sonoda challenged her knowledge into founding No More Under, a nonprofit dedicated to saving lives through increasing equitable access to swimming lessons and tools. She also directed Drowning in Silence, a documentary that chronicles her quest for answers and healing. Along with her water safety work, Sonoda heads visually inspired productions, which creates social impact films that help shift the narratives of systematically excluded communities. Shazik, it is such a pleasure to have you here. Welcome to The Courage Effect. Thank you so much for having me and for that lovely introduction. I really appreciate it. Well, it really is an honor. So as I said, um, I was I was literally blown away by your TED Talk and I knew immediately, okay, I need to I need to reach out and talk to you about being on the show. I'd love to start our conversation with you sharing some thoughts on the role that courage has played over the past five years since Yori's passing. I would say, honestly, that um, I was almost forced into this courage. Um, I have three other children uh, that I had to take care of right after Yori passed away. And so it really does take, um, at least for me, it was... Uh, knowing and needing that I needed to be there for my other children that just made me get up every day and put one foot in front of the other. And I feel like in the strangest way, the more you do what you have to do and, and get to a place that you have to get, you keep going, right? It's like yeah. that kind of sleep begets sleep for children and like courage begets courage, right? You kind of um, settle into it, you feel it, and you understand the need to move forward and keep going. And then for sure, getting um, getting a sense of how few people um, know about drowning issues and, and even beyond that, how many people still don't know how to swim. Um, it really just it, it was a drive at some point that that came and is still here that I don't even it's funny, you know, even being on this podcast, I don't necessarily see it as courage. Um, but in reflection, I, I understand why it is. Yeah. Well, and I, courage begets courage. I, I completely agree with you. And And when you I think following such a devastating thing in your life, I mean, having to be there for your family, not just for you. And it sounds like that was something that really allowed you to not just cope, but to just keep building, building that practice in your life and making sure that you were just getting better every day. It's true. I honestly think that it's taken me up until this last year to then put myself in the mix, because I think for me, it was 
again, I just lost a child and making sure that my other children were going to be okay. Um, and then beyond that, making sure that other people's children somehow are going to be okay and not, yeah. and, and not fall into the same devastation that, that our family had fallen into. And it really was until this past year where I said, okay, wait a minute, what do I need? What is, you know, let me take a step back and, and understand how I can be courageous for myself. Oh, I love that. Well, I'd love to hear a little bit more about No More Under because the stats that you share in your talk, I mean, what is it? The, it drowning is the leading death of children ages one to four. So yeah, I kind of understood after Yori passed away and and I looked and the, and the statistics are out there. If you Google them, they're online, yeah. um, but it's not something that is regularly discussed. And so initially I started out saying, hey, don't let your children drown. That was the message because that had just happened to me. And I realized that people look away, right? When, when you don't think it's going to happen to you, when you don't think, oh, I'm always going to be watching my children or, oh, my kids know how to swim. Um, and I realized that it, it is more of an awareness of water safety and what we need to do around it. And so I initially kind of started one way and then pivoted to more of a water safety um, kind of, I don't know, message that includes drowning prevention within it because it can happen. And while there is a statistic out there that say 88% of um, People, if they do know how to swim, they're less likely to drown. Even the most skilled swimmers drown, even adults drown. So uh, I think really for me, it is about stepping into uh, educating our educating our, our parents and caregivers just to have an eye out. And from, I guess, the last couple of years, we've gotten about a thousand kids in the water swimming, um, many who I think the percentage is over 50% that had never been in a swim lesson before. And so we work with children ages from, you know, 13 to 18 and are really just trying to, again, spread the message. The other thing that when I looked into it, I realized that black and brown children drown way more than the average. And so that was another thing that touched me deeply of how, racism and Jim Crow laws from way back in the day are still impacting um, black and brown folks. So we really lean into that as well with trying to ultimately have equity in aquatics and make sure that everyone can learn this life-saving skill. Yeah. And it's, I had heard some stats before about, you know, just the inequity of this and it being based on, you know, segregation and pool access and everything else. But what is it? 67% of black people have little or no swimming ability. That's what the statistic is. And that's really what we're trying to fight back, you know, and, yeah. and make sure that there isn't, there isn't that you're only 13% likely to learn how to swim if your parent does not know how to swim. So considering how many people were, again, not able to get in a pool and learn that that has trickled down even to this generation. Yeah. And it just, it makes me realize how much I've taken it for granted that I can swim. I mean, I, I grew up in Southern California and my parents just, every summer we did swimming lessons. I think it was not only to keep us busy <laughs> and entertained, but I'm so grateful that we did that. I mean, I even remember doing a swimming class where we had to tread water for 15 minutes fully clothed, which was so hard. Yep. So yeah, but it um, it's just really opened me up to 
the how fortunate I am that that I've had access to that. And and as you said too, just the the knowledge of we especially with phones, right? We can we, oh I'm just just gonna send this quick text, and we do this in so many ways to make us look away if we're driving, if we're doing anything. Um, and it's really scary. So I'm really I'm grateful that you are doing this work. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I, I'm curious for you, now that we, we were talking about courage, is this really the first time that you have felt courageous? So I have to say, um, as I was kind of prepping and, and looking at your podcast, I recognize that it's been kind of baby steps. I will say that The Alchemist is one of my favorite books. Um, and And what I love about that book is it really shares the journey um you think you're supposed to go one way and you end up another way and you don't really even understand why things are happening um until perhaps you get there and and i do understand that i've had moments in my life for sure um from from high school and perhaps even before where i've had to step into what I didn't necessarily know was courage, but just forging a path ahead. I think it's hard. Life is hard. <laughs> there are so many things that happen. Um, and it's, and it's truly, um, important to come from a space of gratitude and, and really try and look at those positive things that are around you to keep going. And, and that's really what I've leaned into again, more looking at it as gratitude and not what's come from that gratitude, which is perhaps courage. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing that really blows me away about the show too, is that when I invite people and so many are like, well, I'm not really that courageous. It's like, you know, you don't have to be a firefighter or you don't have to be somebody that is, is doing, you know, life-saving work on a day-to-day -day basis to be courageous. So, um, so thank you. And thank you for, thank you for also the work of, of making courage contagious, right? I mean, helping other people to understand that there's, there's, we, we just have to make a commitment to, to making a difference. And I have to say, I've made the commitment to take CPR classes um, from your talk because it's something that I've always done, but oh, too busy, just completely backburnered. Um, I can't do that anymore. So, and that is, that's, that to me is, is an act of courage, not just for myself, but also for other people. I love that. No, for sure. I agree that courage is courageous or sorry, courage is contagious. And I think it's important to be able to have examples out there, right? I wouldn't be here if it weren't for another mom that did a, a similar, you know, kind of speaking out after her son passed away. And I had someone come to me in Australia. I was recently there speaking at a conference who said that I then help support her um, from mm. my film after her child drowned. So again, it's it's so important that even those little small moments of stepping in and, and trying something new and not looking away, um, you are really truly being an example for others in your family, community. Yeah, definitely. Well, we're going to cut to a break. When we come back, I'd love to have a little bit more of a conversation with you about looking away. I know you, when we when we were prepping for this, we talked about having the courage to actually look at something and do something about it as opposed to just pushing it to the side. So this is The Courage Effect with Suzanne Weller and Shazik Sonoda, my guest. We'll be right back. Courage takes on many forms. I believe that one of the most courageous things that we can do is recognize when we need help and seek out support. 
Is something interfering with your happiness or keeping you from achieving your goals? If you're going through a hard time, possibly struggling with depression or anxiety, therapy can give you tools to approach your life in a very different way. That's why I'm excited to tell you about today's sponsor, BetterHelp. BetterHelp's mission is to make therapy more affordable and accessible. It's an online platform where you can be matched with a professional therapist in as little as a few days just by filling out a few questions. I know from personal experience that finding a therapist and the right fit can be really difficult. With BetterHelp, you can easily switch to a new therapist at no additional cost. For more information and to sign up to get matched with a therapist, go to betterhelp.com slash courage. Visiting this link both supports the show and gets you 10% off your first month of BetterHelp. So if you're struggling, consider online therapy with BetterHelp. Easy on the ears, good for the soul. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to The Courage Effect. This is Suzanne, and my guest today is Shazik Sonoda. Shazik, we have been talking about looking away and the courage that it takes to not look away. I'd love to hear from you. I mean, obviously not just in the context of drowning, but what are some of the other things in our lives that we tend to look away from? Anything hard. <laughs> I think yes. we look away from anything that's hard. I find myself doing the same thing if I have to write a speech or, you know, just something that doesn't come very easily. And so you have those small moments, but then you also have large moments, like things that are happening in your um, community or even in your family, in your marriage, like in relationships. I think that we, um, it's, I don't want to say it's unfortunate, but to me it is that we are so easily distracted by things. And so, we tend to, when something hard comes up, when something emotional comes up, oftentimes we distract ourselves with entertainment or fill in the blank. Um, and so it really, I've just noticed in my life because honestly, I started in a similar path. Even when we talk about the beginning of this podcast, like I distracted myself with my other children. I knew I had to do things. So I just threw myself into work. Um, and I'm just now starting to pull away and recognize that when you really want to heal, when you really want to push through, um, there's a saying, there's no other way, but through. Yeah. And and you really have to go through the fire almost and and feel that heat to to heal, feel the heat, see the burn, understand it and and then, you know, take care of it and, and again, get through it. So um, I just look even in my current film project, I'm talking about the unhoused population in Seattle. And I think that that's just one example of something that it's easy to look away from. If something doesn't impact you, if something doesn't directly impact you or harm you, quote, harm you, you just go about your life. And I'm of the, um, I guess, perspective that until we're all good, like we're not good. But I really believe that um, helping others and figuring out how everyone can at least be okay. You know, I, I don't need everyone to be amazing in the world, but can we just get people to a bare minimum um, and not look away and live our lives as if other people aren't suffering? 
Man in the Mirror by Michael Jackson. It's like, it's, it's so real. <laughs> like you've got to start with yourself and you've got to um, then look around you and try and make the world a better place. I know it sounds, I don't know how it sounds. I, I understand how it can sound, but I truly believe in the lean in. Well, and it's, it's, I mean, what I'm hearing is personal agency and us, us individually taking responsibility for having the ability to create change. For sure. For sure. And I think sometimes we don't understand how easy we can create change. Right. And yeah. that is like kind of the baby step into courage and being courageous. You don't even realize how small um, saying hello to someone could be, or, you know, it's those little moments of getting out of kind of the day-to-day -day rat race, which seems, you know, um, just to take a baby step back and, and realize where one small thing or one small change can make a huge impact. Yeah. I think about that a lot, especially because we have such a large unhoused population in Seattle and it's, I think people feel helpless too, right? I mean, so that's the other thing is that even if you look at it, what do you do with it? And that's, I, I'm I'm sure you're hearing a lot of that as you're going through your film. I, I think not only my film and focus on that, I think that's everything, right? Yeah. I think we all think that someone else is going to handle that pothole that's outside in the neighborhood. Someone else is going to do that thing that, you could spend 10 minutes just looking at to say, where can I lean in? Where can I perhaps do something? And that's part of why um, I have started making films. I think, you know, my first film, Drowning in Silence, was we can shift this perspective on water. We can actually stop these. They're, drowning is 100% preventable if we just fill in these blanks, right? And I'm hopeful, I understand how much we're distracted by content and also how beautiful movies and films and feeling emotion and having some empathy because you see what people are experiencing um, can have, like it, it can have a, a, a large impact. Think of how many films or speeches that you've seen that have moved you to tears and you go get a CPR class, you know, type of thing. And so, that's really where I'm um, focused is not only sharing stories of, of people and things that are happening um, that we might not look into or hear of, but also what we can potentially do to help and, and showing, again, it's, it's contagious. So showing ways that people are making a difference. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad that you're doing that because it is, I mean, there is that apathy that goes with it, but I think that so much of it really comes from just just feeling disempowered. It's almost like deliberate disempowerment of ourselves because we just, we're just like, well, I don't have energy for that. And we just sort of leave it over there, which is I, sad, but we all do it. <laughs> it's it's sad and it's, I I understand it. Right. I understand both sides. And that's why when I said I'm not sure how this sounds, I understand how I can sound like, oh, a do-gooder. And it's not even that as much as it is um, wanting. I think because of what I've been through, I understand how 
lonely and how heavy life can be. But I also understand that I've been able to come out of some of that loneliness and heaviness by helping. Um, it provides something beautiful um, and positive seeing something that you've done impact someone else's life. And so that is, I guess, when we take it all the way back to maybe the first question of, you know, how have you been courageous and, and what's led you to this, I think. And, and maybe that's selfish that I feel better when someone else feels better, when I'm helping. Um, and I keep moving towards that um, because it's a lot. Life is hard for for. And, and for many people in many different ways. Um, and so anything that you can do to help someone else and or just even, again, man in the mirror, help yourself first and then recognize how you can help others. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I identify as a helper very much so in my life. And it's one of those things that... Um, I don't know if it's necessarily selfish. I mean, there is a certain amount of validation I think that we get out of doing it. But if if it's done, if it's done with good intention and if it's done in a way that it makes sense, because that's the thing, right? Sometimes you can force help on people when they don't need it. That's where it gets dangerous. For sure. For sure. Especially in an unhoused situation, I've seen very much so um, people thinking that they are helping or offering help when it's not asked for. Um, and it's very, you know, we work with um, with no more under communities and you wanna make sure that you're not just saying, I can help you, I've got all the answers and I know what you need because you don't actually. Um, so really being able to step back and listen to what people, um, people do need and or how you can help, I, th I think is critical. And it's so interesting because yes, it's identifying as a helper, but I, I also think that there is some leadership that comes and, and needs to be in that space of courageousness, right? Again, the leading, um, hopefully leading a movement. I think that's kind of, you know, my goal with some of the work that I do. I, I want there to be a movement around the support and help. Um, of others. So, yeah. Yeah. So moving into action. I mean, that's the other thing, right? Not just talking about it, but actually doing something about it. Exactly. Exactly. And it really is baby steps. That's another thing for me. I just, I believe in every day doing a little something. And then you look back three months later and you can say, oh my gosh, look at, look at all that we've done. And it was really beautiful. Um, the end of this, you know, last year, I was able to look back on a year and and realize what all of those baby steps had accomplished. And I think if anything, I'm in a space now of giving myself grace and again, not distracting myself from some of what I'm still trying to work through. I still am triggered by certain things um, because of my son's death and really wanting to continue my healing journey. And again, even just being an example, hopefully an inspiration to others who have had a, a loss period. I think 
that's another film I want to work on is, is kind of focused on like how we handle death in our culture. My coworker said, I'm going to have to start working on more positive. She's like, you've got to throw in a really positive documentary in there because I'm definitely, um, I lean into the harder subjects that we don't want to, that we don't want to talk about or think about. So well, I, I love that you're going to do that. And as somebody, I mean, I was just in Mexico a few weeks ago, and that's one of the things that I love, like Day of the Dead, the celebration of the dead. I mean, it's it, it's a completely different way of looking at death. So yes, it is a reframe, but a very challenging one, especially in this country. I think that's really another key is the reframe. It's the unlearning, right? It's the yes. unlearning, the way that we've moved through life and what the last generation has taught us from the generation prior and unlearning and figuring out how we want to move forward and reframe what our lives look like, what courage looks like, what support looks like, what love looks like. It's it's all of those things that um, just good to reflect on. Good it to is. reflect on. It is. Well, as we wrap up the show, I want to share a few comments that I heard from you that really resonated. Um, I mean, even just that last one, unlearning, the power of of unlearning. And I think that is is a big part of of looking, right? Not looking away. And, you know, being in that situation of, you know, like being in the fire, as you said, feeling the burn and not just running away from it. Um, there is some value that comes in dealing with it. Because if you don't deal with it now, it's going to come back when, you, when it's least convenient or it's just never going to weigh or potentially get worse. Um, but pushing through, not away at the same time. So not just about looking, but also in action. Um, and coming out of loneliness and struggle by helping others and having an idea of what you, what it will take to do that and how you can most effectively do that. And you're obviously doing that in your life and work. So Shazek, it's such a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. Any final thoughts that you want to share with our listeners? No, I just want to say thank you for having the courage to do this. I, I mean, just even stepping into this space is, is beautiful and giving people, um, you know, just a platform to share and hopefully spread that courage um, and, and inspire others. So thank you for having me and thank you for being in the space that you are and, and having the impact that you do. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm so happy to shine a spotlight on your work. I can't wait to see your film that you're working on now and what you work in the future. And with your TED Talk being out there for everybody to get to, TEDx, Bellevue Women, um, definitely give it a watch, everybody. It is so worth it. So thank you, Shazik. Thank you. All right, everybody. Happy New Year. Take care. Stay courageous.